Hello and welcome back to the Black Shoe Diaries podcast. Chris Grovich here in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we have a new face, a new voice on the <laughs> podcast uh, this time because Kevin is stuck in the office down at SB Nation headquarters, and uh, quite frankly, nobody else wanted to do it. Now, I'm just kidding. My man, Devin Edwards, is uh, is here with us. The, the guy who's wanted to be on this groundbreaking, award-winning podcast for so long. Uh, you finally made it, Devin. Welcome. It's good to know. I, I was the plan F, but you know what? It worked out. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here, Chris. It's, it's an honor. No, you were, you were, <laughs> you're at the very least, you're plan D. Well, that, that's the most inspiring thing anybody's <laughs> ever told me. Thank you. <laughs> there are many times in life I've wished I was a plan D. So uh, it, the, there, there are good things in there. Um, so we were just talking before the show that the details of Joe Paterno's contract that was apparently renegotiated before the 2011 season was just posted by statecollege.com and I guess posted by um, Penn State on the openness website, but uh, statecollege.com got the news out quickly enough here. And I'm just sort of blown away by this entire thing. Uh, looking at the, now there are four sections here. There are things that were under the con, yeah, in his contract before 2011, before the 2011 amendment, um, a base salary of $34,000, which is hilarious, uh, death benefit of $51,000, which is weird, uh, an annual head coach bonus of $425,000. So the base salary is $34,000. The head coach bonus is $425,000. Um, and then there's some other things, including... Uh, use of a suite at Beaver Stadium by the Paterno family for 25 years and $900,000 from TV and radio revenue. So I guess in terms of what was going in Paterno's pocket, it would have been the $34,000, the four twenty-five dollars and the $900,000 from TV and radio. So basically... Um, what, $1.4 million? We had $1.4-ish, which is kind of what we all thought he was getting anyway. The interesting stuff comes in the additional amounts and benefits due under the August 2011 amendment. Uh, forgiveness of $250,000 in outstanding indebtedness. I assume that was for the rotary telephone and fax machine. Uh, it, it costs, everybody knows how fax machine costs. Yeah, it costs, well, when you only have a fax machine that's from 1989, it costs a lot of money to maintain that. The, well, the yeah, part, I'm guessing he, well, he bought it for like 300 bucks and then, uh, you know, on a subprime fax machine mortgage. <laughs> and the parts are just so obsolete. You, you can't find them anywhere. Um, career bonus, and here's, here's the big one. Career bonus of $3 million if Coach Paterno retired at the end of the 2011 season. Now, when I had talked to uh, some people who were involved, I guess, in, in the uproar going against the Board of Trustees and, and the Board of Trustees election that's going on right now, um, I was told that Paterno had gone to Graham Spanier and said that he was you know, agreeing to retire after the 2011 season and had handpicked a, a list of four potential replacements. That was never, it never occurred to me that that was actually in writing somewhere <laughs> because uh, so much of what Joe Paterno seemed to, you know, yeah. play yeah. along I mean, with throughout the last year. Oh, I don't need a contract. I can, you know, I can coach here. I, I can do it on the back of a napkin. Nah, 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 you know. And it, as it turns out, this was, and it, it's not surprising, you know, but it, it's just funny in light of the way he you know, basically trolled us like he had throughout his entire career. <laughs> well, that, I mean, no, that, that's Joe. I mean, he's, he's 
obviously outwardly, you know, he, he's laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, well, he was. And um, so $3 million. So essentially, I, I would love to know how this went down. If, you know, Spanier or the Board of Trustees or whoever went to Joe before the year and said, all right, look, $3 million. Please just like say, just a $3 million. Agree to it, please. Or if he was like, look, you know, I, I might stay, you know, I could, I could, I, I feel great. I could do this for a few more years, but maybe if you want to give me $3 million, I'll go away. I, don't, I, I would just love to know how the conversation started. And would it surprise you if he said, all right, you know, $3 million, we'll call it even. And then August, 2012 comes around and he goes, yeah, I feel like coaching another I couple of years. Good. I could do this four or five more years. <laughs> Which he was saying since my father graduated in the uh, in the late sixties, <laughs> so, yeah, four or five more years. So the other um, the other parts of this uh, additional stuff negotiated in August two thousand eleven status as head football coach emeritus if Coach Paterno retired at the end of the season, which you know is just some sort of honorary, you know, get to use the facilities like. A certain former assistant yeah, coach. Yeah, I'd say get his own office and keep. <laughs> and forgiveness of an additional $100,000 in loans if Coach Paterno retired at the end of the 2011 season. Why was he borrowing on, like, seriously? And not, not that this is scandal-worthy. I'm just curious. Like, how did he have $250,000 in debt that was forgiven? And how did he have another $100,000 in loans? Like, what was... I mean, we, we, you know, I'm asking a question without an answer here, but that that just strikes me as as, as crazy. It, it is. It is. Weird. I mean, I'm. I'm <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. What did he write a check to the university for one of his philanthropy things? <laughs> I don't know. It, it bounced because he hadn't used that checking account in 20 years. And, I mean, and yeah, <laughs> like, I'm thinking that episode of Seinfeld with, uh, with Nana. Or it's a. Uh, he took a, a book out of the library in 1968. <laughs> <laughs> it just sort of compounded over time. I don't. Would they kill you? Yeah, and and one um, one other thing, they um, they're letting Superterno, um, without contractual obligation, have uh, parking and access to the Lash Building for her hydrotherapy equipment. There was that whole. Yeah, that was a kerfuffle for half a day. It was. It was, like, it was like in politics where, you know, Mitt Romney says something bad about local cookies. <laughs> and it becomes a story for six hours. That's, that's what Sue Paterno and the pool was. was, you know, basically a 12-hour story. Um, and in 1986, he negotiated a $350,000 payable benefit upon his death over a five, you know, uh, $350,000 payable over a five-year period. Which is crazy to think about. I mean, it's twenty-five years ago. Yeah, it's tw- it's twenty-five years ago, and and you know, God, I was. You probably weren't born, and we de- you, you definitely weren't born, and uh, I was eleven. <laughs> so, and and you know, cheering like a little maniac for the Fiesta Bowl. That's just wow. Even back then, you know, I guess it's just another form of life insurance in a sense, but pretty crazy stuff. It's really that $3 million payment that, that blows my mind. That yeah. It was sort of a, you know, let's just call it a mutually negotiated uh, you buyout. Know, pat on the back. Yeah, it was basically a buyout. We're like, okay, we're, we're doing this. And, you know, obviously both sides agree to it. So it's just, it's just interesting to know that the entire time, this this is the proof that 
he was planning to get out. So, so that that is settled. And who knows? Maybe we'll see a statement by the paternal family tomorrow, and and this this will be uh, another issue for a while. You've been I mean, at. Oh, oh, go ahead. No, no. I mean, I, 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 I hope we'll get. You know, this is all going to you know Special Olympics or one of the other pet projects he had. That'd be a nice statement from the paternal family, but it would. And at least you know. With as much bad blood as there is between the university and, and, and the family at this point, at least this is sort of a, you know, a, a minor step towards settling the account, <laughs> the, the, the overall grand ethical and moral and financial account that, that exists between uh, the two parties. Now, t- you're graduating in a few weeks. I guess it's a few weeks, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Two and a half. Talk to me about what it was like being a student, not just during the last four years, but especially since November. Just being on campus, because I went to school there from, well, when was I on campus? I, I, I was there from 94, which was a, a pretty good year. And I graduated in May of 1998, because I roll like that. I just kept dropping classes and changing majors. And I, I, I was the embodiment of like the nine-year plan. What was it like, you know, people always sort of judge their time, not always, but their time on campus as like, oh, those were terrible years. Like, I feel awful for the people who were there from 2000 until 2004. Um, yeah. you, you, you showed up, you know, sort of a few years after the revival happened. So what was it like uh, being on campus and especially uh, the last few months? Uh, well, I mean, it, it, I went to a football game before I ever attended a class because we played Coastal Carolina in 2008, the Saturday before classes started. Chanticleers. Yeah, yeah, no, I sat in like the third row because I was there at like 11.30, which is apparently really early to get there for a noon game uh, <laughs> when playing Coastal Carolina. Uh, so that was, that was, I mean, that was the start of it. And then 2008 was my introduction to Penn State football. It was a, a pretty good year. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I obviously think back to the, the riots, quote unquote, in 2008. And, uh, you know, it's funny, my time at Penn State is kind of defined by riots. <laughs> it certainly became a thing. I know when my brother, my yeah. brother was there from basically 98 to 2001 or 99 or 2001 because he did time at, um, he did time. It really is called doing time here at a Commonwealth campus. But he, he he did a hard two years at the Hazleton campus. <laughs> but I, I think that was, granted, there were always like minor disturbances, but I don't recall full-scale riots happening until the last basically 10 years. I mean, it's funny how, the, I mean, you know, they say riots. And I mean, aside from uh, an unsuspecting news van and maybe a, a daily collegian rack, I can't think of too much damage that was done at, at any of them except for uh, you know, the, the Joe Paterno firing one. But we had that. We had the Osama bin Laden riot. We had the... Ohio- just, the, the Osama thing was just spontaneous oh. excellence. Yeah, it was it was so much fun. I was down there. People he had... <laughs> the best was there was a guy in an American flag Speedo jumping yeah. off fire. It was <laughs> oh, I, I watched the videos. Yeah, no, everybody. I mean, if, if you haven't, go to YouTube, look them up. It was just unbridled joy. It was it, pretty... It, and not to not to drive this down a political lane, but I think I just thought it was so funny because when you think about you know we we collectively got him Osama bin Laden in what 2011 was it last just just last year right? Uh, yeah, it was last 
spring before finals. I mean, you guys being 20 and 21, like, you grew up in that entire, like, that was sort of all you ever knew. Yeah, is, is that there was some guy named Osama bin Laden, and something happened when you were ten years old, and yeah. that, you know, that's been sort of, that was like the boogeyman ever ever since. It's, it's kind of weird for me to think of it that way. I mean, I imagine he was to us what I guess communism was to yeah. my dad, and I don't know what was before that because I'm not a history major. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, yeah, but even even with me, I mean, I'm 36, and we grew up, you know, in the watching movies in the 80s that were, you know, United States against communism, against the USSR, against Ivan Drago, and all that stuff, so. I, I, you know, yeah. Iraqi 4, Iraqi, sorry. Yes, yeah, right. I, a, little, a little later in the process. But, um, anyway, like, you, you said it was defined by riots, but they're not actually riots. It's mostly kids just walking around, checking Twitter, checking their phones, and taking pictures. Yeah, no, I mean, even the, the you know, Joe Pa one, it was it was mostly, I mean, I, it was, you know, six or seven kids who tipped the news van and 6,000 who watched and cheered because they're stupid 20-year-olds, you know, <laughs> willing, willing to get caught up in the hysteria but not actually do the deed. Yeah, somebody threw a pebble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I was there at the very beginning of it and then my phone died so I went home. Because that's what you do when you're at a riot and you're not fighting. <laughs> uh, but it was—I don't want to say it was peaceful, but it wasn't. It was—it was it wasn't bad. It was people chanting, you know, "We love Joe Pa and fuck Sandusky." I mean, it wasn't uh, right. at the level that you'd be. It wasn't exactly the Watts riot. Uh, <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> no, but uh, it, it sucks that, that people apparently, you know, associate it as a riot because. I guess you need, you know, riot in quotation marks. It was a quotation marks riot. It, it really was. Uh, and, and I guess that's probably the, one of the defining moments of, of the whole Sandusky thing from a student perspective. What they don't mention is that, you know, they say, oh, they're condoning, you know, what happened, the Sandusky thing. What they don't mention is that the night before, students descended on Old Main demanding the firing of Graham Spanier and... It, it's more Joe loyalty than anything else, it, and it wasn't. It was mostly peaceful, but uh, it, it was a very surreal circumstance to have news vans lining College Ave, and, and to to walk to class and, and see NBC recording a spot on the old main lawn. It was it, it was like something out of a movie. It, it was not real life. Yeah, and I think the craziest thing that happened while I was there was there was a, a shooter on the Hub lawn. That I think was in '97 or '98, somewhere in that in that area, where you know a, a woman, a young woman, um, shot a few people, basically down by where the um, oh, what's what's the name of the college? We we just talked about biobehavioral health before the uh, <laughs> before we started recording. Whatever college that's in that I got my degree from, it was down by that building, close to College Avenue. So um, that was, but even that, you know despite the tragedy that, that occurred, went away from a news perspective in a day or two, from a news cycle aspect. We never had anything that lasted that long, not, not certainly to my recollection. It was, it, was, it was a full week. It was more. It was, it was so overwhelming and consuming that it was impossible to get away from. I mean, it was all anything anybody was talking about. It was... It was classes would stop to talk about what was going on. It was very weird just to have, I mean, even, even walking into the Nebraska game, 
it was just so there's no other word other than surreal. I mean, it, it's like nothing else you can experience because you have you know people saying, "Oh, you know, you're all awful." People saying, "We feel so bad for you," and a national media that didn't really make up its mind and. And thanks. I mean, I, I never had any real negative interactions with anybody, but I know certainly have friends who did. And uh, I mean, it, it still lingers. It's I went home for for Passover. I'm a, I'm a Jew, uh, and that's obviously <laughs> you don't have to say it like that. Like I'm a Jew. <laughs> I'm Jewish. Uh, <laughs> Jewish. Ish, exactly. Uh, but you, know, you see family, friends, and, and still six months later, that's all anybody wants to talk about. Uh, so even though we're starting to move on, people here Penn State, it, it still kind of gets associated with it. But the rebuilding process on campus has has definitely begun. It's at the point where it's you know every every now and then this pops up uh, when there's you know a trial or uh, uh, something going on with this industry case or anytime Sarah Ganim writes anything, uh, Pulitzer Prize winner Sarah Ganim writes yes. anything. Uh, kudos to her. Uh, I mean, it, it, you really – there's no words for it. Or if there are, I can't come up with them because I'm not Pulitzer Prize winner Sarah Ganim. Someday. <laughs> Someday. Someday. Well, you've been um, good enough to attend a few practices for us, and that's something that certainly under Paterno was not an option. Even when he would uh, perform the annual ritual of letting the media in for a practice and kicking them out. Like the, the – the reporters would sort of take informal bets on how many minutes they would last inside the facility. And it was usually around like 11, 11, 12, 13 minutes before he's like, ah, get out of here. And he threw everybody out with O'Brien. It seems that I keep, I keep trying to not call him Bob. Like I, I never should have started using that acronym. Cause he's just Bob to me now. Yeah, absolutely. With Bill O'Brien, um, he's smartly, I think. And I, and I think this is something I suspect at least that the people within the athletic department have wanted to do for years is, you know, let the people, let the media see, let the fans see, let the recruits see what exactly is going on in, in the Kremlin, so to speak. And it's really been refreshing to see these videos pumped out uh, through the official channels uh, at gopsusports.com. Definitely to see the videos produced by the various uh, websites and newspaper organizations and all this stuff. And, and we're just sort of, it's almost like we don't know what to do with all the content. Now you've been in, the, you've been there in person. Like what, what are your observations on how he's running things? And, uh, well, well, let's just start with that. Your observation on, on the coaching staff and, and how the operations being uh, conducted so far. Yeah. Uh, obviously I hadn't seen it under Joe Pa, so I really have no basis to compare, but it just seems so crisp, well run, you know, four minutes, five minutes and onto the next drill, onto the next, uh, you know, area. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know what I'm expecting, but it, they all seem to give a good effort. I haven't seen any coaches, you know, break down and start yelling. It, it's kind of a professorial tone that, that it looks like. Uh, Bill O'Brien kind of running around, working with every unit. Uh, he, he's being, you know, the, the head coach, the delegator, I guess. Uh, it, it's the one thing that 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 I hadn't really realized. Maybe especially with the quarterback, someone got it. Is that in practice? It's they all look the same. I mean, it's it's you know the these easy you know quick drills and stuff like that. You really can't tell any difference between anybody with if they didn't have a number on it. You'd have no idea who was who. Uh, 
I mean, they're all they're all going through and doing the exact same thing. It's it's actually kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> they had one drill where they're there's a quarterback thing. They roll out, throw back. It was you know into a mesh net, and I think they probably all had the same level of accuracy. And I'm not sure if that says something good about Rob Bolden <laughs> or, or something really bad about or bad about Bob Bolden or really good about Shane McGregor. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, but no, I mean they're they're all seeming to be uh, you know giving in. I haven't seen any. I, I don't know what I'm looking for. I guess Matt Millen on Joe Pa, you know, walking, storming off the field. Right. No, I'm. It, the one thing you notice how many players are injured and banged up and not in pads. Yeah, and, and it, it's it's at least, and I guess we finally had our first serious it, knee injury today. With uh, it, it's it's a right of spring, the first ACL of spring. Sorry, yeah. James. <laughs> for uh, Jamie Van Fleet, yeah. who is yeah. you know, it, it, it's one thing to I think some people are going to say, oh, he was just a walk on, but that's a guy who was. He was, he was getting the reps behind Kari Ford. Yeah, and he's also a very big contributor on special teams as well. So they will miss him, and they're going to need somebody to step into uh, to both of, both of those roles. Uh, among the players, what else have you noticed? I, I know you said that Zach uh, is it Zwinak? Zwinak, Zwinak, Zwinak. Sure, but that's the other sort of rite of uh, passages. I, I finally have to learn how to pronounce things like Zwinak. And Christian, I I don't want to try it. <laughs> number Let's go Kuntz. Christian K. Christian K. <laughs> yeah. I mean, was it was it the the, the Pirates? I forget what it was. Rusty uh, Rusty Kuntz, the outfielder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> who, could, who could forget? He was a first base coach or something for a while. <laughs> yes. I don't know, popping up every now and then. Uh, but but the one thing I noticed uh, from practice is they we got to see a little bit of the eleven on eleven yesterday. Uh, and the one thing that, that really stood out to me was just the pace. It was, you know, every time you watched Oregon play in the last, I don't know how many years, uh, they they always talked about, oh, in practice they run, you know, every play, three seconds in between. It, it, you were getting kind of that kind of vibe, just quick, 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 get pace, get ready, get set, get to the line. And I'm thinking, wait, where was this in Alabama against Alabama when we took three timeouts in the first drive? Right. Because we couldn't get to the line quick enough. I mean, one of the times they even sent in a play that wasn't on Bolden's wristband. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the play-calling <laughs> offense is going to be a little smoother than Joe Pa calls up to the booth who calls down back to Joe Pa who runs the play. I, I mean, it, it was ridiculous how convoluted the play-calling was. It, it's, it's literally comic how convoluted. Yeah. Penn State's offensive play calling was, and, I, and having you know Bill O'Brien have everything run through him is going to make things run so much more smoothly. Yeah, and, and I'm wondering, and I'm actually writing about this for tomorrow, or as the people are listening to it today, the uh, whether we'll see that in the in the spring game on Saturday. I know he, Bill O'Brien said he wanted to have the ball snapped with what 19, I think seconds? 17, something like that, yeah, 17 but, or 19 or whatever it was, the seconds left on the play clock, and I will be really interested to see if that occurs on Saturday because he's vowed to play this game under game conditions as, as closely as possible. So I would like to see that. I would like to see if it works. And and that also has the added benefit of maximum reps for uh, a team that they're still not entirely familiar with to see how they do under pressure. So that, that'll be, that'll be interesting. What else are you, uh, are you looking for tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I'll be up in the box providing coverage. So, That's right. Uh, it's like I forget. Like it's, it's like I don't even pay attention to what we do. <laughs> yeah, thanks for for hooking me up. <laughs> if you're listening, Jeff Wilson. Thank, thank you. B- 
big thumbs up to thank you, Jeff Nelson, Jeff Nelson, Shirley Irvin, the rest of the team. Uh, but I think the, the the key positions that that really are going to be scrutinized closely, other than the quarterbacks, and and I think if we start talking about the quarterbacks, we won't finish for like three hours, and I have stuff to do. Uh, yeah. I think the defensive backs, uh, obviously, without uh, anybody returning from last year. You have, like, five guys who are going to be asked to do more or less everything. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see. I know they've tried out Adrian Amos at least sporadically at safety, and it'll be interesting for me to see at least who else from that cornerback or even the wide receiver position, which is just flooded with way too many people. There are way too many wide receivers and offensive linemen on this team. Well, I mean... Most of the wide receivers, you know, it's funny looking at the roster. You say, yeah, but a lot well, of the yeah, eleven hurt, yeah, and a lot of them are hurt. I mean, there were like five guys who were suited up yesterday. That's true. Wide receiver. Uh, I mean, I think Davon Smith is hurt. Uh, trying to remember who else is a little banged up, but then you have a lot of the incoming freshmen. I think there were the the, uh, the only guys I saw yesterday were uh, or two days ago, since you guys are listening in the future. Uh, <laughs> were were Justin Brown, Christian Kuntz, Mosby Felder, Allen Robinson, and Matt Zanatello. Uh, I wrote them. Those are the five guys I saw, and those are probably the five guys who will play uh, what day? tomorrow. Yeah, see that? Yeah, that's uh, good. We're getting the hang of this now. Uh, so, I, I mean, I'm looking at the, the roster. So I think that you're going to – that's another, by the way, big position to watch is who's going to take the number two wide receiver spot opposite Justin Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of the only known commodity there. Other than Dave Von Smith, and you know he'll—I don't know—trip over a blade of grass. <laughs> uh, I hope he—I hope he finds a way to to flourish in the, in this offense at least a little bit. It, at least you know, send him on crossing patterns and not forty yards downfield. Yeah, no, it—he—it—it it, 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 it hurts when the best deep threat can't catch the ball. <laughs> it's a little uh, <laughs> counterproductive. I will—I will admit that. Uh, I mean, hopefully, hopefully a guy like uh, Shawnee Kersey. I forgot Shawnee Kersey. He also cracked yes. me So if a guy like Shawnee Kersey or, you know, Christian Kuntz, who looked pretty good uh, yesterday, were, you know, bigger actual wide receiver type wide receivers. <laughs> uh, but I, I guess if Davon can, can kind of fill more of the Danny Woodhead role in mm-hmm. the, the Bill O'Brien offense, uh, also if he gets exonerated for, for Marijuana Gate. It doesn't seem like anything's happening there. Yeah, no, I guess the, <laughs> I don't want to start this debate because it won't end well. But uh, Fourth Amendment prevailed, maybe. Who knows? Well, yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's very true. It's, that's, <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen... Uh, <laughs> that comment, was, that was a fun thread. No, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't even know which joke to make about the way the police conducted that search, so I'm just going to stop. <laughs> I'm just going to let it let it go. Take, take a strike on that one. Um, yeah, so it, it given the uh, the lack of depth in the secondary, maybe we won't see eight million players run because they're going to be running them at the same five guys all day long. Or it's just going to be walk on bonanza. <laughs> Patrick Flanagan, your time to shine. <laughs> They'll be pulling kids out of the stands. Here, to, uh, take a number in the teens or the twenties. Get the hell back there, and, and, and it go. worked well for Texas Tech with that kicker. That's true. That worked out that very could, well for them. And to become their starting kicker the yes, next he year. did. I mean, how ridiculous is that? How is that not a movie, by the way? It's true. Like, how is that not... Get on that, Disney. They made a they made a movie that, uh, you know, they made Rudy because the guy got one sack ever. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's actually funny if you Rudy made that movie. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, I really, I, I honestly know nothing about it. I think I've seen the last ten minutes of it. Yeah, there's a cracked article about it, which obviously is uh, word of God. But apparently, <laughs> <laughs> he was the one who went around pitching his life story to to movie studios. Uh, Rudy Notre Dame. Somehow Texas Tech isn't quite as marketable. I was, no. at a, I was at a wedding once. Uh, a, a friend of mine was getting married, and he's a state trooper in Pennsylvania. And one of the one of his friends from the state trooper married, I won't name her, but I will say that she is a, a local sport, sports personality on Philadelphia's Comcast Sportsnet. And we were, sit, we were standing next to each other in the bar after the wedding watching the infamous Texas-Texas Tech game where uh, Tech won at the very end with Michael Crabtree and uh, the world went crazy and everything. And... She actually she said to me, "Have you ever been to Lubbock, Texas?" I'm like, "No, I, I have not." She's like, "It's a goddamn shithole." <laughs> like, well, I, I, I hope Dan Vestalio isn't listening because that's where he's heading. Know, that's true. Sorry, yeah. sorry, Dan. <laughs> I'll are. be sure. I'm, I'll be sure to rib him about that. Yes, he's. He, uh, we'll just assume that Dan didn't actually visit before he uh, decided to take. Oh, no, I'm, I'm almost certain he didn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> if he did, I don't think he'd be going to Lubbock. Oh, good luck, kid. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, at least when Mike Leach was there, it was fun. Yeah, I don't even know who their coach is now. Who's who's in charge? It's not Tuberville. Is it still still Tuberville? I don't know. I, I, it might be. Uh, yeah, I think it. I, I think it still is Tommy Tuberville. Gone to my head. Yeah, Tuberville would have been my guess. Oh God, love him down there. The apparently, Zor- the Zoros. I mean, I just went to Wikipedia, and apparently, on the Fox News show Hannity, he questioned whether Barack Obama was born in America. Tommy Tuberville ingratiating himself to the Lubbock faithful. <laughs> That's exactly right. Pretty much a requirement if you are uh, uh, a person of any stature in Lubbock, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for uh, for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Devin. You are a wonderful, wonderful addition to this. Once again, award-winning. There's still no awards. But um, thank you for joining us, and uh, please uh, be, our, be our plan F again sometime soon. I, I think I moved all the way up to Plan E. <laughs> You've been promoted. You are take now. That. You are now Plan E with uh, Adam Bittner. Oh man, I was about to say take that bubble up, but I... <laughs> uh, see, if you were Plan D, I wouldn't be able to steal your jokes. Damn it! <laughs> all right. Well, thanks a lot to everybody for listening. Subscribe on iTunes. Join us again next time, and hey, hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you tomorrow at Beaver Stadium. Safe travels, everybody, and we'll uh, meet you back here real soon. Thank you.